When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. She may have broke your heart as Karen in The Last American Virgin, or maybe she terrified you as the tormented daughter and sister in Amityville II, The Possession. Perhaps she inspired you to learn French when she won your heart as Monique in Better Off Dead. Or maybe, just maybe, you spent way too much time at the Circle K hoping for a time-traveling phone booth that could transport you to meet her as Princess Elizabeth in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. No matter which 80s flick introduced you to the beauty and talent of this excellent 80s actress, today is a special treat as she joins me as a special guest to share wonderful stories and memories from some of her most iconic 80s movie roles. So sit back and relax as Diane Franklin joins the discussion for the very first interview episode of the 80s Flick Flashback. Good morning. Good morning. Is something wrong? I'm not sure. Well, let me have a look. Looks like you have a flat. Can it be fixed? I don't know. You must have run over some small glass or something. Do you have a pump? No. Oh. Oh, darn, I'm going to be late for school. Well, can I give you a lift? Which way are you going? To Roosevelt Tide. So am I. So be my guest. Okay. I really thought I loved her. And she dumped me and I... I guess I just thought I couldn't live without her or something. You would die to get the attention of uh, this woman? You know, Len, there are better ways of getting attention. Yeah. This is when she dummy. She dummy for this real slime bag, a guy named Stalin. 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 I raise Stalin tomorrow. Oh, my God. I have to get to a cave right now. No, no, this is what I speak of. This is a good way of getting this attention. Want to beat him? Beat him? Yes. I can't beat him. I can't. I think all you need is a small taste of success, and you will find it suits you. How's it going, ladies? You're the ones we saw in front of the castle. I am Ted of San Dimas, and uh, I bring to you a message of love. <laughs> from who? From, from myself. And what is this message you speak of? Uh, lyrics, dude. Recite him some lyrics. Oh, you beautiful babes from England, for whom we have traveled through time. Will you go to the prom with us in San Dimas? We will have a most triumphant time. <laughs> Way to go. Hello movie viewers and movie lovers, my name is Tim Williams and welcome to the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. Here we talk about all the great and sometimes not so great movies from the 1980s. 
From blockbusters to cult classics to lesser-known treasures we discovered on cable TV or the now-defunct video rental stores from our childhood. No matter which 80s flick we choose for each episode, we have a lot of fun sharing memories, discussing our favorite scenes, and even learning some behind-the-scenes stories about the cast and crew along the way. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and follow 80s Flick Flashback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. And while you're there, leave us a stellar written review and a five-star rating. You can also support the show by following us on our social media pages. Just search for 80s Flick Flashback on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And go ahead and check out our website, 80sflickflashback.com, for more great 80s content. Now, let's jump right into this episode. Thanks for listening. She is an iconic 80s actress who began her professional career in 1970 at the age of 10, starting with modeling, commercials, soap opera, and theater. In 1981, she landed her first screen role as dream girl Karen in the teen sex comedy The Last American Virgin, after which she was cast as Patricia Montelli in the 1982 Amityville 2 The Possession. Then she starred in movies for television Summer Girl and Deadly Lessons and guest starred on the TV show Charles in Charge. Murder, She Wrote, and Freddy's Nightmares. In 1985, Diane played her most beloved role, Monique, a spirited French exchange student in the cult comedy classic Better Off Dead and continued to work in film with Terror Vision in 87 and How I Got Into College in 89. But Diane's best known 80s role is that of the original medieval babe, Princess Elizabeth, in the time travel film Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure in 1989. After taking a break from acting to raise her family, Diane returned to the big screen to play Mother Louise DeFeo in Amityville Murders and perform a cameo in Ted Bundy, American Boogeyman, with her daughter Olivia in the role of Carol DeRanche. Other film roles include Waking Nightmare and High Holiday with Tom Arnold, Jennifer Tilly, and the late Cloris Leachman. She's also written three autobiographies and lives in Los Angeles with her husband, writer Ray DeLaurentis. Her daughter Olivia is an actor, comedian, and writer. And her son, Nick, is a musician and composer. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the lovely and extremely talented Diane Franklin to the podcast. If, if there's a live studio audience, they would go crazy and they'd scream and they'd shout and they'd be, well, we're so happy. So, but yes, but thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. You are my very first interview that I've done on the podcast. Normally, we just talk about one of our, our favorite oh, 80s yeah. movies. And so uh, I'm honored. I'm honored that I'm the first. How oh, exciting, right? Yes. Actual, the actual people in the movies that you talk about from the 80s. That's, yes. And when you think about that, that's kind of, yeah, like, yeah. I'm, I'm still here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and we and, and the, the awesome thing about it is we just did Better Off Dead. Like this, I'm in season four and we in like my second episode of season four, which started in January, we did Better Off Dead. And I'm like, that's one of those movies where like, I remember seeing it as a kid over and over again, but because it's not the back to the future or the ghostbusters, you know, the big, big blockbuster movies, you, you get to kind of feel like, you know, that's kind of movie that I know about that. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's real personal because it's mm-hmm. a movie that you, you spend so much time with. And when I post and, it on and not social- everybody, yeah, not everybody knew about the film really kind of as the story goes, you know, it was like word of mouth, you know, Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. but personally, like, I like those kind of movies. I like the ones that that that's my favorite (laughs) as well, you know? Um, 
I mean, commercial movies, they give you something to talk about. Everybody oh, yeah. knows oh, them, yeah. so then you can, you can say to anybody, like, hey, do you know that mommy movie? And then everyone goes, oh, yeah, and then you can talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think movies make a really good uh, co- conversation piece. But, oh, um, yeah. but, but what's really cool is that when you find people who like those boutique movies, those are the ones that are your dear friends. Mm-hmm. Like, they're the ones who get you. <laughs> Yeah, that was what was so amazing because then once, you know, it became like the fastest listened to one of my podcasts, like it's one that that just kind of shot to the top of my most listened really quickly. And then I posted on social media because I post when it comes out and I'm involved in several different 80s, you know, Facebook groups and like just like after like and oh my gosh, I love this movie and and shouting the quotes is like, it's like there's like all these are, I was like, all my friends have come to see me. It's like all these people that love this movie as much as I do. And you kind of like, wow, there's so many people that, that really, really love this movie that I just thought was just so awesome. And then of course, when I saw that you had a book about Better Off Dead, I was like, you know, what a dream it would be to have Diane Franklin on the podcast to talk about it, man. That's just, wow. That would never possibly happen. Let me send her a message and see what happens. And here you are. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> dream come true dream come true sure okay right <laughs> well speaking of books before we get too much too far into it i know you've written a couple of books so please tell us about your books and why they are must oh. reads for every 80s yeah. flick fan okay so when i wrote these books um i wrote it with the idea that people probably wouldn't know who i am they probably wouldn't <laughs> even know my name um because when in the 80s my name was not publicized you know, I wasn't like, right, I, I, right. I didn't keep Diane Franklin out. And I think what's interesting for me is Diane Franklin's a kind of an easy name to remember mm-hmm. as a name, but at the same time, um, you know, it was really instructed to actors at the time not to publicize their names because okay. they wanted to play a lot of different roles. And you didn't want to know who the person was behind the screen because then you wouldn't look at the movie. You would look at the, you would look at, the, you'd see the person right, and right. You'd take the, it would take the magic. I think, you know, too, out of the film, you know, like whatever you're watching, when you watch a film that I'm in and you don't know, like I play so many uh, different types of people yes. that when you watch something, you know, it, I, I think a lot of times you'll watch things uh, and you'll go, wait, is that the same girl in that movie? Like they're so different, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so that I think was what's really nice about the, the work that I've done is that the characters I've played have all, all been so different mm-hmm. and unexpected and surprising, which I think is, I, I think for me, like if, if anyone's going to remember my work, I think it would be that, um, my roles were always interesting and surprising. Mm-hmm. To, you know, like you, you could, didn't know what to expect. And right. so it was uh, something to look forward to, whether it was horror or comedy. Um, so you asked about my books. What happened was when I first wrote my book, the first one, originally I, I was actually, you know, I had all this memorabilia and I was mm-hmm. going to give it to my, to my kids. And then all of a sudden, like, I realized, you know what? I'm going to be, I'm always mom. Like, you know, <laughs> even though I've done all the, that, you know, like I'm mom, like they don't care mm. that I did this movie or whatever. And as it should be, like I'm their mom and all the experiences and the memories are what we had as mother and son and mother and daughter. Right. Mm, right. So, um, uh, they're like, oh, that's great, mom, but whatever. So <laughs> let's like, you know, let's go for coffee. Let's do like, you know, like, like stuff together. So, um, so let's go play with the dog, whatever. So, <laughs> um, let's get the guinea pig. Let's bring the chickens out. Like, let's hang out. Um, let's watch ghost adventures. So, um, 
um, what wound up happening was that's when I said, okay, well, maybe there people are interested. Maybe the fans, I didn't even think of fans as so much as fans. I just thought maybe people might be interested in somebody would want to have some information about it. And then I kind of, I teach acting too. And I was like, Mm -hmm. well, you know, I really would love to help new actors who want to come into the entertainment business and tell them what it's like to be an actor and come from the place that uh, I'd had no connections. And what is that like? How do you grow up in the suburbs, um, lower middle class, you know, um, and, you know, your parents are immigrants. How do Mm. you become a movie star? How does that even happen? So my first book was, is about that. It's called the excellent. And by the way, the, the title is (laughs) so here you go. go. The title is okay. Diane Franklin. So you know Mm -hmm. who the book is about the excellent adventures of the last American French exchange babe of the eighties. Okay. So that is the title of my first book, the excellent adventures and Mm -hmm. the adventures are what it's like to be an actor. Or how did you get that? And I cover all my career um, in it, and uh, there are chapters on every film I did. And so it's really fun, and I think very, um, I think it's interesting to anyone who likes the '80s, or anyone who wants to be an actor, or anyone who likes me, whatever. Yeah, there's a lot of things, and I'm very honest. I wrote everything myself. I do have an editor, um, and I self-publish because I really want people to get my words. I don't want um, to go through a, a company, you know, like I've seen a lot of uh, publishers, they'll say, well, write this, but don't include that. Like mm-hmm. they'll edit mm-hmm. the, and you know, like, I think you can't look at, I mean, I understand focusing towards an audience, you know, to me, like, okay, audience over 18 or under 18, you know, like that, I understand that idea. Um, but I really didn't want to, I, I don't want to sugarcoat something that isn't, true right and, right um so what i did in my first book was i rated the chapters so if you're an adult and you, <laughs> you're a parent you're like okay don't read the r chapter you know um and there's nothing really that outrageous compared right. to what's going on today right but it's more right. about the subject matter so if you just didn't gotcha. want to get into it with your kids you're like mm-hmm. skip that chapter right. um and so then i wrote then after that i wrote my second book which was the excellent curls of the last mm-hmm. French exchange babe of the eighties. And that was because I, my, I never realized it until after I really finished my, my first book that, and I knew when this was happening that my, my curly hair in the film, the last American Virgin was the stepping stone to ethnicity in the eighties mm. where everything was this blonde, straight, uh, right. Right. Martian Brady hair, Farrah Fawcett. Believe me, I adore <laughs> your hair. That's incredible. But for anyone with curly, dark, curly hair, you were considered the sidekick or the girl who wasn't that pretty or the, right, right. you know, it was like, you know, if they made a girl unattractive, they gave her, you know, the curly frizzy hair, you know, mm. they just, and I mean, I, I understand that in casting, they, they try to make, you know, differentiate, you know, but what was fascinating was in the movie, The Last American Virgin, they, I got actually hired at the beginning of the eighties to be the beauty, the dream right, girl right. with that hair, which mm-hmm. is, was, was not even close. I mean, people today, <laughs> we have all kinds of hair. We have all kinds of products. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, people, that was not happening in the <laughs> late 70s until The Last American Virgin. And then I did this film, and all of a sudden, everybody had curly hair. Uh, they had, you know, uh, flash dance and dirty dancing. Mm-hmm. And, it w- and I was sitting there going, 
wait a minute. I've been waiting years. <laughs> what is happening? Because I was always looking for the role model. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, who has curly hair? Who's like that pretty girl with the curly hair? No, nothing. Zip, zap. So, mm-hmm. so that is my second book. And if you do like the movie, The Last, uh, the Last American Virgin, there are some um, rare photos. So nice. At, in that book. And it is, anybody who loves that film is going to love that book, the second one. So that one's a little bit more sexy. Um, but you know and that's so that's more for over 18 I'm gonna say although I know all every time I I talk about these movies everyone goes I saw it when I was 12 years old (laughs) right right where were your parents (laughs) exactly exactly but um but you know that's how we learn right Right. we learn through film you know we learn about we learn about all the things our parents may be too uncomfortable to talk to us about Mm -hmm. so uh so good go go get your education (laughs) (laughs) it's important um and then now this book is called uh the excellent comedy of the last american french exchange babe of the 80s um aka the better off dead tribute book and i have it right here (laughs) you can see it and the audience probably can't but this book Mm -hmm. is the one that i am i'm not gonna say that's like i'm most i mean i'm most proud of it but i'm also most like this was like such a it was a labor of love. All of these books are a labor of love. But oh this yeah. It's like, first of all, I love the film and I love, I love Virgin and I love, I love the work I do, but this film, um, I felt like I had a more of a responsibility in making it because this was not just about me, but it was a tribute to the, to everyone who made this film. So mm-hmm. I had to do research and, so I started off like I was a little intimidated and scared because I was like, oh, my gosh, like when you talk about yourself, you can say whatever you want, you know, basically. But when you talk about others, you want to be thoughtful and mm-hmm. considerate and careful and ask and all this stuff. So it was very um tricky because I thought emotionally, like, how do I and I kept going back to like, what would I want to see as an actor or even as an as an audience? You know, what do mm-hmm. I what would I want to watch, look at? And um, I came to the uh, um, decision that I wanted to have chapters on all of the characters. Mm. And uh, so every person got their moment to shine. <laughs> and so I contacted a lot of different people and I was so amazed. So many people gave me interviews. So there's things in this book that I didn't know even doing the film. Oh, wow. And nice. Yeah. Oh, I have, was, there's so many things in this book and um, Savage Steve Holland, the director mm-hmm. he sent me so much. And <laughs> when you read what he writes, you laugh out loud. I literally was laughing out loud how he writes. So this book is a labor of love and everybody who contributed, um, it's just, it makes you feel good. And I think for those who know the film are going to adore this book. <laughs> and those who don't know it, um, I think, I don't know, I would say watch the film first and then look at it because mm-hmm. then it'll all make sense. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's a classic. I mean, it's, it, and I, and I think this is also the most family friendly, like, you know, you're 12, you know, 10, I even 10, I think you can mm-hmm. get this book. Uh, which with the other ones, I was a little bit more like, I don't know if it's too mature, but <laughs> this one you can bring home to the kids. Nice. Right? <laughs> nice. Well, let's, let's start from the beginning. So model, dancer, actress, writer. So when did your love for the arts begin? Well, I, I knew at four years old that mm-hmm. I wanted to be an actress. I knew it. Um, 
I, I loved singing and I loved dancing. And I'm glad you actually mentioned that. I know, usually don't even talk about my dance so much, but mm-hmm. um, as a little kid, I started ballet when I was four. Oh, nice. I loved to dance and sing. <laughs> that kid in the living room who plays music and I would dance and sing. And, but here's a big thing. Um, I didn't have, uh, I didn't grow up with siblings. And I think that if you have siblings, you spend more time playing with your sibling Mm -hmm. and you don't necessarily spend a lot of time being creative. My guess is that you probably spend more time being um, doing sports or playing a game. Right. uh, Right. Because you're, because someone else is there. And I remember (laughs) really wanting a brother or sister and my parents were like, that's just not going to happen. So (laughs) I remember that I was like, Oh, come on. You know? (laughs) Um, But yeah, as a five-year-old, I didn't get it. Yeah. Um, when you are an only child, the thing that's, I mean, and I, I bet you there's actually studies on this. It's that you are never bored when you're alone. Mm-hmm. You can be alone. Uh, and I would, oh my goodness. I wrote songs. I <laughs> played piano, not well, but I played um, <laughs> All right. I took piano lessons. Um, I did ballet and, and, and dance at the time. There was really no jazz uh, tap dancing. Maybe I took a little bit of tap, but uh, dance was very limited. Like now it's mm. hip hop and like there's, you know, musical theater dancing and stuff. I mean, today kids don't realize how much they have at their fingertips with the internet. Right, and right. You can do anything if you just search for it and then <laughs> do it as do opposed it, right. to just watch it, mm-hmm. which is a big thing. Like, again, like if, if, if I often say to like kids, like, imagine if we turned off the internet, like, what would you do? And they'd probably lose their mind out of boredom. And that's what <laughs> we did, which right. is why we read more, which is mm-hmm. why, we, you know, we went out and played more. Um, but, um, you know, I think that for me, like, I just loved dancing and singing and acting. And like you, uh, with your daughter, um, I did plays um, at school. I remember I played Top Tim in elementary school in the King and I. <laughs> and um, we did Guys and Dolls. And I played uh, Sarah, I think it was Sarah Brown. I think that character's name. Um, how we got, uh, and, I'm, and I sang, I had like a, a operatic kind of voice. I took singing lessons. So I actually, in my work as an actress, um, I, I think I sang once for a TV show. Um, what was it called? Dallas, the early years. I had to oh sing yeah. Mm-hmm. Poor okay. butterfly. But I've never, I never really had the chance to sing, but um, the reason why I never went into musical theater is because my voice was not very strong. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was, it was on pitch and it was, it was nice, but I, it wasn't strong enough for that. And then with, um, records and music uh it wasn't rock it wasn't like it wasn't deep it, it was <laughs> it was more operatic and pretty like a gotcha. pretty so um so I kind of fell between the cracks so I don't think a lot of people knew that I sang um until I sang the national anthem in 2004 at Dodger Stadium that's oh. when they were, what you can sing uh, <laughs> so I was like yeah I'm trying to do, keep it up so right right um, what I experienced is when you're a kid, very, very early on, you can see if a child is meant to be an actor or in theater or, or, or you just or creative arts. You can see it from preschool. You mm-hmm. can see it. Uh, kids are, they gravitate to it. They, um, they just go in their own world. They're just, and it's a, it's a very interesting thing as a teacher, because I see so many different ages that, um, 
And I also find this is a funny thing. I found <laughs> that a lot of kids in sports actually are very good actors and love acting, but they've always had to choose. Mm-hmm. Because sports would always mm-hmm. be like, you have to commit, you have to do the football team, you have to do. And I have so many people that I know, like uh, young actors who their parents wanted them to play sports and they said, okay, I'll do it for you. <laughs> then later on in college, they majored in theater and they went, always wanted to be an actor. And I found that interesting. Like, yeah. Why we make life choices, you know? So right. And now these messages. <sighs> What seems to be the problem, pal? There's just so much pain in the world, so many issues. I don't think I can bear it. Well, friendo, it sounds like you could use a dose of pop culture roulette. Pop culture roulette? What's that? Some sort of pop culture-themed podcast or something? That's right, sonny boy. When hope seems far, dive into some PCR. But I already get my entertainment news from Variety. Huh, that's pretty good. If you're a chucklehead, PCR gives you news you need, condensed, unfiltered, and raw, from three nerds who know a little something about something. Wow, okay, sign me up. That's the spirit. Pop Culture Roulette. New episodes every Monday, available on all major podcast directories. So let's talk a little bit about Last American Virgin. So I will be honest, I had not seen this movie until just recently. So oh my gosh. I, yeah. So I had heard you about it. Me? No, 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 no. No, but, <laughs> you know, go, no, no, going back to, you know, be talking about a versatile actress. We, I, I mentioned this in our better off dead episode when, cause I, on, on our episodes, I'm a trivia nerd. Like I love, I, I live in mm-hmm. IMDb. So like I, when I watch a movie, I'm always, I, I love to see how the behind the scenes and I love finding out how movies got made. So a big part of the podcast, if you, if you haven't listened to it, but uh, I'll we'll kind of deep dive into like pre-production and how the movie was made. And so, so I mentioned on the episode that, you know, I knew you from this, but I had never put the connection that you were one of the babes from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And I've seen both of those movies plenty of times, but, right? my, but it was like, I just, the disc is like, when I look, I'm looking at your filmography, I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, she was in this and she was in this. So knowing we're gonna do the interview, I was like, well, I need to see some of her other stuff that I've heard about. And I'd seen clips of Last American Virgin being, you know, starting an 80s podcast, you look at lists of like, you know, the greatest scene comedies or the greatest movies and greatest soundtracks. And I will say it, it pops up on a lot of soundtrack, best soundtracks. Oh, and I understand, great, yeah. I understand now why I'm like, I'm singing half the songs. Like, I didn't know this mo- this song was in this movie but anyway. So, but a fantastic movie. It was not what I expected, but it kind of was what I expected, if that makes sense, because I, I knew some of what it was about. I knew that it was based right. on, on Lemon Popsicle that was an Israeli film and that the same director did both the, that version and the American version. It was a more like a true, like a true story. It is based, life. based on a true right. story. It's based on Boaz's life. But I have to say what's interesting about what you just said is that think about it. Like that movie came out in 82, Two, yeah. 81 time has passed. Reviews have been out. Mm-hmm. Everybody like maybe you maybe see a clip here, a thing there. And you feel like you know the movie mm-hmm. until you see it. And then you go, wait, like, I, I know I knew some things about it. Mm-hmm. But when you when you watch it, then he goes, oh, like, I get why people are still talking about it. Which right. Is exactly. Yeah. You know, the movies I've done, people are still talking about to this day, which is shocking. Like, I just <laughs> I mean, I did. I mean, shocking. Like, OK, you do a movie, you think. 
who, you know, yeah. who watches it. And then of course the internet has helped so many actors be remembered, which is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Like so many, it gives meaning to so many people's lives. Um, aside from myself, you know, just like so many to go back and like watch because remember actors before, you know, no one could see their work. Once it was out of the movie theater, it was gone. Right. Or once right. it was off TV, it was gone. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they never know. They never knew that they'd be remembered now. Like, like the Marx brothers never knew that people would still know who they are today. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing a thing now on, I'm, I've joined TikTok here recently trying to, you know, get my social media thing. I'm trying to be hip with the kids. I'm not doing a great <laughs> job, but I'm trying, but <laughs> I'm doing forgotten movies of the eighties. And I'm thinking back to these movies that I watched on cable or, you know, the ones like I said, aren't the, the big ones that show up on everybody's list. And yeah. I'm just like, who remembers this movie? And some have like, great stars before they were big stars or, you know, I love those, that. Don't you those, love in, that? I, those yeah. in between movies between the big, you know, so, so yeah. I, I love that kind of stuff of, of these, but I wanted to be out there like these, this, you know, people put work into this and, and, you know, yeah, maybe it wasn't the box office hit they expected, but they're still funny. There's still great moments. There's, you know, it may not be a great overall movie, but there's, you always find something in the movie that, that has, value and has some meaning even if it's just nostalgia on my part that I remember sitting in my living room with my family watching this on a Friday night with popcorn before you had Netflix and you had 16 different streaming channels with 80 different movies on it it was like we went to the video store and you got two you you got to pick two things for the weekend and that was what you were going to do so and to discover a movie is a very exciting thing yes yes today I think I mean at any point like like at any age to discover something and like for instance I remember somebody introducing me to house yes and like Okay. And I was like, I've never seen it. They go, Oh, mm-hmm. you've got to see house. And so <laughs> now like I get it and I go, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. No. So it suddenly you're in the club. You're like, Oh yeah. 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 I see yeah, that. I know yeah. that. So now um, I feel like I'm in the last American Virgin club because I've seen it. Yes. And, I, and I, I get, I get why people didn't like you for a while. You know? <laughs> oh my gosh. So seriously, like, I mean, I, if people just see Virgin and don't see better off dead or right. Heads, right. They just hate me. And right. I've heard, I've heard people like, I've heard somebody told me a story where they saw the Virgin at the movie theater, um, at the drive-in. Okay. And at the end of the movie, the B word was like yelled out across the <laughs> I can imagine. The mountains. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that was all over the place. Um, right. So spoilers I, for anybody who hasn't that. seen it yet. Yeah. Spoilers yeah. for anybody. Else, but, but yeah, I mean, it, when, when it, when I, it was going off and I was watching it, I was like, oh my gosh, it's really going to end this way. Like, it's, it's not, and I think you mentioned, you've mentioned this before that it's not the typical Hollywood ending. It's not the, the happy ending that. Well, you expect a movie with less American virgin, American, you're expecting sex and you're expecting happy ending American, right? right? right. You're saying, Oh, this is silly. And it's just going to be, but um, that's what was the, that's what made it memorable. And in fact, Mm -hmm. I did a, a documentary. Someone asked me to do that. It was, they did a movie, a thing called the history of nudity in film. Right. And when I, they, when I heard about it and they were considering doing Virgin and they got a lot of great like actors in it. (laughs) I, I was like, I was like, you know, I have to do this. I have to do this interview because my life has been affected by that film so much mm-hmm. and people need to hear from me. I don't want hearsay about the movie. Right, I want to right. know how I felt about doing it, what what was about. So it's kind of mm-hmm. interesting that film came out and um, and I got a lot of good reviews. And I mean, it was, it was, I mean, let's face it. There's nudity in a lot of films to, mm-hmm. to even today, obviously right. on the internet, people are just taking their shirt off or whatever, <laughs> right? It's like, Hey, let's just take it off. Right. So, um, so I really wanted to make sure that people heard my side. 
But yeah. um, yeah, but that film, the, the, I mean, the subject matter, there's mm-hmm. cocaine and there's drinking and, mm-hmm. and drinking. Um, but what I really love about Virgin, aside from the soundtrack, and it's like all the <laughs> clothes and it's like brilliant. Yeah, it's um, yeah, a it great, takes you back. Yeah. Um, what I love about it is that the teens act like adults. Mm-hmm. We, the only parents we see are of uh, Gary, of, of the, mm-hmm. Lawrence Thompson. All the kids, it's from the perspective we never see it. And it, it's, it, it's what it, like, it feels like to be a kid. You're, you're a kid, but you're acting like an adult. Right, right. And all teenagers feel at, at a certain point that they are, or they think they're adults. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I was and that, that way. <laughs> that's what I really think Virgin captured. It's yeah. that, like, you have to deal with it. Right. You, you know, it's not your parents aren't dealing with it. Right. You're not going to your parents with this. You're dealing with it. So. It's, it's dealing with real life problems and figuring out I've got to come up with a solution for this that I can't run to someone else to tell me what to do. I've got to. Oh, this is what making real decisions is like. You know, this you think exactly. you think you, you think, you know, you think you'll know what to do until it, it presents itself. So it's that's what I think. I think I, I appreciate it about it is that. At the beginning, it's that typical, you know, what you expect it to be, you know, the the sex raunchy comedy. And then it that second close to the third act, it totally makes that left turn. It's like, oh, this is this has become a very serious drama with some very serious themes that I thought, like, you know, maybe my daughter's not ready to watch this now. But at some point, this will be someone we'll talk about and say, hey, these are let's talk about the decisions that were made. Let's talk about what you know, what could have happened or what couldn't have yeah. happened or what should have happened, you know, and, and just it'll make... still be current because it's about human right. behavior. Right. That's the human cool thing. Like the, sa- the soundtrack may be eighties and the clothes may be out of style, but the subject matter and the themes are still true, which, which makes it, which makes it while we're still talking about it these, yeah. these many years later. So awesome. I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm glad. <laughs> oh, cool. So then, because oh, the 82 you did, uh, we had, uh, Last American Virgin, which you also did Amityville to the possession, which yes. is its own, which I also watched that the, uh, this week. I uh, had not, I, I had seen, I had seen really? that one, but I was that much younger. Blowing you away. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I had seen that one. Cause I started, I was like, I've seen this. Cause I remember my sister was a big horror fan. I'm not the big horror movie person, but mm-hmm. she loved watching horror movies. So I'm sure that that was one that we watched uh, as I was younger, but those both came out in 82. Did you film those around the same time? Or did you know when in they the were going to come out? Year. We yeah. did it. Virgin, uh, I was 80, it was 81 when I got hired. And I think it was the end of 81 when we shot. Okay. And then like a, a month maybe went by. Okay. And then I got Amityville. I did Amityville and they both came out in 82. Right. Around August and September, like around August, they both came out. Yeah. So it, to the entertainment industry, suddenly I was the it girl. Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I had two movies coming out leads and they were like, wait, who is this girl? So <laughs> right. kind of, and I was even like, who is this girl? Like what? <laughs> and then from that, like, I got like, I remember, um, oh my goodness, ABC contacted my agent and said, we want her to do a TV pilot. Like after, right after so mm-hmm. quick. Right. And here I was for nine years <laughs> trying to get an extra part or a, right. you know, like right. a commercial or really trying nine years, struggle, struggle, struggle. And then all of a sudden, Oh, you want this? You want this? Like right. you right. go for that. I'm like, oh, like, but I'm glad I had all those years of training, mm-hmm. like of experience of life experience so that I knew how to handle things. 
Yeah. And that, I mean, now I look back and I go, oh, yeah, I knew how to handle it. But now when I look at my own kids, I go, I was a baby. Like I was <laughs> I was 19 when I did Last American Virgin. I right. was, you know, I was tight. Like if I look at my kids, I go, oh, you know, but I think I don't know. This is kind of funny, like how we, you know, you just grow up. I think kids have sometimes different times they grow up. Like some kids are more mature, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and some kids are have growing up to do. <laughs> there's no rules. Very true. Some, people, and some adults are still kids. So that's yeah. okay. Well, well, you kind of answered my next question. Cause I'll say that, that those roles did that open a lot of doors for you. We're still auditioning a lot for, for stuff. And so like, do you have any audition stories that you want to talk about? I mean, I auditioned for the exorcist, but that was when I was like, Oh wow. Okay. Uh, I was like 11. Oh wow. I think, um, uh, Linda Blair was a little bit older than me. I didn't mm. know what the bad words meant. I had no idea what it meant. So there, there you, that goes. Um, but it was exciting to have gone for that. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think that was one of the first movies that I, um, was understanding like that was going to be a big movie. Okay. You know? Um, but I was so funny. I recently, uh, with all the reposting of a lot of movies, there's a, a pod, I think it's called $2 podcast or something. $2 um, late fee. $2 late fee. Yeah. Yes, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Sorry guys. I got the news. It's okay. But um, that they sometimes do these Instagram posts where they post happy birthday to people and they yes, yes. show movies. And I'm looking at some of these movies and I'm going, Oh my gosh, I auditioned for that. <laughs> like I remember auditioning for so many movies. Like, I've, I had forgotten, but then like, I go, Oh, look, um, Salinger, um, the actress Salinger, Meredith Salinger, Meredith Salinger, she got that role. Like I started looking at things going, like I did, I auditioned for bachelor party and like, I got a call back. I could have worked with Tom Hanks Mm. at the time would have been just, yeah, right. Right. This time nobody was anybody yet, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is really kind of a cool thing. You know, like I, mm-hmm. it's, that's John Cusack with John Cusack. He was right, up and right. coming. Keanu was Keanu. Like there, everyone was <laughs> just like, we were starting off, you know, and it, it was anybody's game. It mm-hmm. was anybody's guess. Yeah. Direction. Uh, Adventures of babysitting. Oh. I went that, I think. Karate Kid, I got very close on. There were like three. Oh, wow. But I remember I didn't want Karate Kid um, in my heart. Okay. It wasn't that I didn't like the movie. I it was just as a role. I felt like it was redundant, and I wanted to play something different. Like gotcha. I, I didn't want to get the play. I kept playing like the innocent girl. A kind of mm-hmm. like for me, that role was not. I didn't need to do that. I think after probably playing Karen from The Last American Virgin, I was like, well, <laughs> this is pretty mild. Like you know, but but on the right. other hand, that was great for Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Like. And Elizabeth and I were with the same manager. Oh, so nice. I know her. Okay. I loved her. She's mm-hmm. great. Like, I love her. She's amazing. Um, and I just, it was like, we would audition for things. So, um, and I think like, it's very interesting how certain films, they just become that springboard for the next mm-hmm. role. You know? mm-hmm. Although I have to say, I think Elizabeth's career, she got some great roles. Like I really liked her in Leaving Las Vegas. I mean, oh, yeah. He loved her in that mm-hmm. film, you know? Yeah, but well, who knows? You know, if I had done Karate Kid or if I had done, um, I don't think I went for the Leah Thompson film. Um, 
what's it? Which what's one? It? <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Um, a so, back to the future. Know, back to the future. I don't okay. think I went for Back to the Future, which is odd because you'd think that what I'd be up for one of those parts, mm-hmm. but um, I don't know. It is. It's kind of interesting where parts you get go up for. But mm-hmm. I think the reason, like, I didn't get in that world is because I didn't have connections, and I I was really coming from you know, opportunity. I, I mm-hmm. didn't, and I didn't party. Like I didn't hang out with people. Like right, so right. I think who knows if my life would have been a little different if I had socialized more, but I just, my whole upbringing, because I started as, as a young actor was mm-hmm. you go on auditions, you get it fine. You don't, you move on. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't socializing. And some people, I think in the entertainment business, maybe think, or maybe they just go, Oh, I'm going to socialize. Then I'm going to meet somebody. Then I get recommended or maybe somebody goes to a, a school like an art school and mm-hmm. then people go oh you you know we know you're really talented we're gonna we think you should meet the casting director here so um but the best part I ever went for which was would have been a life-changing thing was um Amadeus you oh know? wow yeah that would have been Amadeus was very very close it was between Elizabeth Barrage and I I was actually in Prague for that. <laughs> in like I mean that's phenomenal that you know they flew me all the way there and they said wow if you, if we like you, you're staying. Mm-hmm. And if we don't, you're going back. Like <laughs> what? I mean, this is with every scene in the movie. So oh, wow. that was insane. And, uh, um, but what a life like traveling, mm-hmm. like I went to Rome and it was for like once upon a time in America and mm. a beautiful film. So mm-hmm. I, I feel very fortunate that I, I got a lot of great experiences in my life and I'm still active. Yeah. Still oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but my, I think, the one thing I will say is that my life is, has not been boring. <laughs> and I have survived and I, I hopefully I'm a good example of what can happen if you're an actor, you know, mm-hmm. like you can have a good life. you not that you have to be rich or anything. It just, it's, mm-hmm. it's about adventure. Yeah. Experience. Yeah. And now these messages. Comic books have been around for almost a century. And in the last two decades, we've finally gotten to see many of these characters brought to life in movies and on TV. On the Moving Panels podcast, we discuss movies and TV shows based on, inspired by, and adapted from the world of comic books. Join me and my guests as we discuss both the good and the bad from Marvel, DC, and even some of the lesser-known comic book companies. Learn what is and isn't from the comics, as well as our nerdy review of the movie or show. New episodes drop every Monday, and you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. So join us for Moving Panels, and I'll see you on the other side of the page. Let's move on to Better Off Dead, because that's, I mean, (laughs) and if you want to answer these questions in a French accent, I won't be upset. But anyway, (laughs) so we talked about it's become such an iconic movie that Gen Xers like me love to quote, of course, I want my two dollars. My my first G. I'm really sorry your mom blew up, Ricky. I mean, we used to say that all the time to our friends. Uh, <laughs> do you have a favorite line or a favorite scene from Better Off Dead that, that you remember? I love all the scenes with uh, Ricky. Mm-hmm. Very funny, very funny <laughs> working with him. Very good. And uh, all right, I like um, oh Curtis Armstrong. His oh line yeah, very funny. I think <laughs> I like the uh, the line. Um, the value of this uh, snow and the mountain, like <laughs> yeah. you don't understand what this is. I think this is hilarious. <laughs> I just thought it was really funny. Um, oh, yeah. 
Yeah, that was one that was quoted a lot back to me when I posted about it. That was one that a lot of people uh, mentioned that scene specifically. So, Oh, you know, what I really love is that people use the lines as common daily, like mm-hmm. things in their life. I've some people have said to me at conventions because I do conventions. Oh, yeah. And I have a convention like uh, the next one I'm doing is at the Hollywood show in Burbank okay. and in April 15th and 16th. Um, and then I'm going to be at 80s in the sand in um, November, I think October, end of October. It's an okay. week long 80s vacation. If you don't know about it, people check it out. It's amazing. Um, I'll do that. But um, when I go to conventions, people come up to me and they quote the lines and I'm so on like honored but and also like what they had it just has such great funny lines (laughs) um uh i and i even have a section of it in my book because Mm -hmm. i was like oh my gosh you know to know who said what Uh, right right there is absolutely there's everybody had a great section oh i mean i have to say like i loved for me the whole world of language lessons and Mm -hmm. national language Mm -hmm. when when um Mrs. Smith is at the table and she says, you know, you know, love, the language of love, you know, and like, I mean, how hilarious is that, that she says that and, Mm -hmm. and he's just looking at me and I'm kind of big eyed. Right, right. um, I just, there's just something so sweet about that whole section. And then later on, you know, you know, with John going, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, remember you owe me a language lessons, you know, (laughs) on the mountain, you know, uh, practice the language lessons. And so there's just a sweetness. Um, But it's, I just, and I, I think also that it covers it because there's so many archetypes in that film. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, people identify with Ricky, they identify with Mm -hmm. Stalin, they identify with lane they identify mm-hmm. with you know a beth and they identify with me like ev- all, everyone has a special uh character and special dialogue and mm-hmm. um i'm just honored it's just great <laughs> this is super cool did you guys know or did you think it would be as iconic as it has turned out to be when you were making it was that ever a thought or you're just like we're just no, making I'm- a movie for fun Absolutely not. Uh, absolutely no way ever, ever, ever thinking that this film would, that we'd be talking about it today, mm-hmm. but was hoping we would. Right. And that's actually not true. Wait, it's not that I would hope that we would. It's mm-hmm. that I'm grateful because I never thought, you know, like when it didn't do well in the theaters when it first came out. Yeah. I was, we, we were all so disappointed because mm-hmm. we love this film. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is very rare that actors get together and love all love the film they're doing. Yeah. Very rare. Yeah. Um, I would assume maybe like the people who uh, like do best, best in show and um, the, the, the actors who improvise. Um, oh, right. Right. Christopher Guest. Films, mm-hmm. like, yeah. I would assume that when you are with a group of people that you like so much and you do films together that you don't care if somebody watches them or not because you had a great time. So mm-hmm. it's like, you can just feel it. Um, and with Better Off Dead, we all enjoyed it and had a blast. And mm-hmm. it was a rare film that we were allowed, like we could laugh. And mm-hmm. it, it was, it was, it, there wasn't any like a weirdness or raunchiness or um, rudeness or um, right, sometimes, right. sometimes obviously a lot of movies, you know, go to bathroom humor to be funny. And mm-hmm. this didn't have to, it was mm-hmm. just, it was just funny. Yeah, so I yeah. think, 
Um, it was also, I think, a relief to audiences that they could actually watch a movie that was funny without feeling cringe. Mm-hmm. Does that mm-hmm. make you know what I oh, mean? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. Like you watch a movie and all of a sudden you go, ah, right. I don't right. said that, and and you know they said it because it was they they had they thought oh the audience wants to hear it, but they don't. Mm-hmm. So many of our audience members don't need that, you know. Mm-hmm. But I agree. I think I, I find out as I'm doing research on movies, like the movies that you find out where the, the cast was really close or they, you could tell people were having fun. Like you can feel it in the movie. Like they're just yeah. having a great time. Like it's not, it's not like work. Like they're just, they're, they're just enjoying these, these scenes and these moments. And, yeah. and so I do have a question. Director, writer, Savage Steve Holland. Do you call him Savage? Do you call him Steve? Is it Savage Steve? Is it Mr. Holland. Oh, that's <laughs> a great question. That is a great question. Okay. So when I first met Savage, mm-hmm. it was instructed to me that his name was Savage, mm-hmm. which was really freaky because right. I expected a bodybuilder. Yeah, you know, like, I expected, like, like, yeah. a, I expected a WWE looking exactly. Guy. Yeah, that's what, that was what our thoughts were. Right? As well. We're yeah. all going, what? Um, and then, of course, you meet this like, sweet goofy kind of like like handsome but like surfy kind of looking guy Mm -hmm. uh with like blonde curls and he's like (laughs) hey with a big smile on his face and you're like you're savage so that was the first the evolution of the name savage and all of us i i was so funny i think even in the book like beth you know amanda wiss said the same thing Mm -hmm. curtis we're all going you're savage so that was the first experience we all had and um savage he tells us the reason how he got his name too in the book too okay um the second thing was then after a long time and i don't even understand like i don't know how it happened but i was always calling him steve i just called Mm. him steve for Mm. so long i called him steve and then at one point (laughs) in our whole relationship forever he 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 turns to me and he says diane can you call me Savage? I'm like, really? He's like, okay, okay. After all this time, I just figured I knew you really well. I could call you Steve. I don't, it was kind of funny. No, everybody calls me Savage. Just call me Savage. Oh, okay, fine. So, um, so now I call him Savage, That's which awesome. is hilarious. Um, so yeah, he's Savage. <laughs> that that was the answer that I wanted. And so it makes me very happy. That that was Savage. Good. Yeah, don't call him Steve. Yeah. Not, he's not going to answer. That, that is, that is <laughs> like you so know, awesome. like you, you call a dog, come here, come here. Yeah, right, right. Not answer, savage. So, so there, yeah. <laughs> oh man, I love it. All right, well, let's we'll talk a little bit about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Um, we haven't covered that one on the podcast yet. It's on my list, but so I haven't done a whole lot of research on this one. So, what was the casting process for that? Was that one that that was offered to you? Did you audition for that one? Well, that film, I'm trying to think. Um, wait, that was like '87. And believe it or not, okay, so we we shot it in 87, which means we probably, I probably went for it in 86, Mm -hmm. but it didn't come out until 89. Right, right. We did the film and shelved it Mm. because they thought it was so bad. (laughs) The people didn't, they thought this film is not going to come out. Mm -hmm. That is an example. The reason why they thought it was so bad is because the film business, the, the theaters, they didn't think they could get people into the theaters for comedy in a way mm. like young comedy they right. thought they could get you in for like with a woody allen comedy or like mm. something kind of edgy or more adult mm-hmm. they didn't think they could get people into the theaters for something that was innocently yeah likeable. yeah 
yeah. like younger. You seemed like younger. Mm-hmm. They thought it was immature, mm-hmm. but it, but no, it was, it was fun. And it was, um, they didn't understand that audience. Yeah. So what happened was Bill and Ted's got shelved. And then we kept saying, when is it coming out? When is it coming out? <laughs> and then eventually I guess somebody bought it and was able to bring it out. And then it became unbelievably successful. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And I do believe the films have to find their time mm-hmm. because look, if you have a, a film and it comes out at a time, which is like, look, um, Bill and Ted face the music came out during the pandemic. Right. Right. It was very, very fortunate for that film to come out then because it didn't have a lot of competition mm-hmm. and everybody wanted, everybody needed an upbeat film. Mm-hmm. Everybody mm-hmm. needed a film that didn't have to think to just watch and go back to the old days. And like, <laughs> just like, just, can we just have some fun? And so that film um, came out at the right time. Mm-hmm. If it had come out when, you know, maybe more Oscar winning movies were out or like, you know, it would have been buried right away. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, uh, timing is a really important thing on with movies when it, when it comes out. So you can have a, so those of you who are filmmakers, don't get all upset with your film, not making it or being popular. It has to find its audience, which is the great part of the internet mm-hmm. and, and, and streaming and, and DVDs. I mean, you can get your films out. I mean, like, look, the superhero movies are in right now, giant mm-hmm. blockbusters, special effects films are the ones that are getting the budgets put into them to mm-hmm. the theaters. So it's just not the right timing again. Like you have mm-hmm. to wait. And that said, um, so what was the question? <laughs> what was the question? I was asking about where I'll, did you have to audition? It was an offer to you. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go back to Bill and Ted. So, okay. um, so auditioning for Bill and Ted, Bill and Ted, I thought I was going to be auditioning for the Joan of Arc. Because oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Friends, I'm yeah. like, oh, of course I'm being for Joan of Arc. Right. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'll just go in and be French again. And like, you know, <laughs> I figured that that's what they wanted to see me for. Mm-hmm. But I think I know I, in, in retrospect too, like, I, I think I was given the sides for Missy. Okay. And originally I was supposed to read the sides for Missy, but I thought I was better for Joan of Arc. But then I found <laughs> out Joan of Arc didn't have any lines. And I didn't even realize that right away. It was years later that I realized Joan of Arc didn't have. I mean, I watched that film so many times, never realizing <laughs> she never spoke French. And people go, of course you weren't. You, there was no lines. I'm like, right, oh. right. <laughs> um, but when, so I, when I was in the room, it, how interesting that like the writer and the producers were in the room and so I'm sitting there that I wasn't right for Missy. They didn't want me to play um, Joan of Arc. So then they said, well, can you do, what about the princess? And I said, mm. oh, what princess? What <laughs> and they're like, yeah, you know, um, you know, the English princess, can you do an English dialect? And I said, well, of course I can do an English dialect and, mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, talk like this and, you know, sort <laughs> of, um, you're off, you know, was sort of talking, you know, and improv- improvising and, um so anyway and so they said can you read these lines and I said of course and so I did it and um and it was really um funny because I didn't even think about it at all I didn't know and and I didn't hear for a couple of days um because I didn't understand in the story they in the script they did have the words princess Elizabeth and princess Joanna Mm -hmm. but it was not 
the way it was written, it wasn't something that was like, they were like twins or like they were like girls together. You know, it was gotcha. the identity wasn't that different. Or mm-hmm. clear. Like it, at that time, because yeah. it was the first time the film was there. So, I mean, they were creating the characters right there. We were all creating characters that had never been done before. So mm-hmm. there was no visualization of it. So I went in, um, uh, when I found out I got it, I was like, wow, like I'm almost like I have a sister. Like I, it didn't even, I couldn't even visualize it. And then I met Kimberly and I was like, Oh my gosh, how fun this is. (laughs) Like we are this like redhead and brunette and we're playing sisters. And I loved that they chose two totally different girls. And we didn't really, I look at like each other, except for the fact that we have white skin. And, um, but other than that, like, you know, we didn't really look like each other, but it was very lovely. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and very fun to play. Incredibly <laughs> fun. And the guys were so fun and awesome. And I just, I, again, I've always said this. I loved, I think it was Keanu's best part with, he, it was the most charming, sweet, <laughs> lovable character that I think he's played. Yeah. So, you know, I know, yeah, he's probably played sexy and like the matrix <laughs> guy and the, you know, no emotion and action person. No you know Ted he's, he's awesome he's awesome in that movie I man that's just that's where I mean it's funny because you see those memes that come up every once in a while it's like you know you were first introduced to Keanu and it's like point break or it's yeah. the matrix and we're like we're like no we know he was Ted that's that's the Keanu that we that we grew up with you know so before yeah. he became the, the big action star he was you know he was excellent oh he's he, and he's innocence <laughs> yeah both of those guys that was what was like awesome is that they were so wide-eyed and innocent mm-hmm. about everything you know like just like <laughs> whoa like that is like so that's the the sweetest cutest characters are the mm-hmm. ones that are um i mean anybody even any person who's ever played somebody really like it like i'm not you know dumb isn't the right word it's the innocence that's endearing and now these messages What's up, dudes? I'm Jerry D of Totally Rad Christmas, the podcast that talks all things Christmas in the 80s. Toys, movies, specials, music, books, fashion, and fads. If it was gnarly during Christmas in the 80s, he's got it covered. Wait, is there a lot of things to talk about for the 80s and Christmas? Well, you got the movie giants like Christmas Vacation, Scrooge, and A Christmas Story. There are TV specials like Muppet Family Christmas, Claymation Christmas Celebration, and a Garfield Christmas special. Plus classics shown every year. You also jam out to Last Christmas, Do They Know It's Christmas, and Christmas in Hollis. But most of all, it was a time for the most bodacious, best-selling Christmas toys ever, like He-Man, G.I. Joe, Transformers, and Cabbage Patch Kids. Yes, them too. We cover them all, plus much more, including standard segments like Hap Hap Happiest Memory, Gagging with the Spoon, The Other Half of the Battle, and Chant with the Littles. So tune in to Totally Rad Christmas everywhere you get your podcasts. Turn the clock back and dive into those warm and fuzzy memories. Later, dudes. So we've, we've mentioned several people that you've worked with over the years that are pop culture icons. Uh, I'll mention a few that are to me. Burt Young, who will always be Pauly from the Rocky movies in mm-hmm. Amityville was great. Of course, John Cusack, Dan Schneider. I was a huge fan of Head of the Class. So I love going back and seeing him as Ricky because it's, you know, once again, two totally different types of characters. Yeah. Uh, Amanda Wiss, you mentioned uh, as well, you know, she's been in a lot of different things. Uh, and of course, Keanu and Alex uh, Winter from Big Bill and Ted's. Do you have any special memories or moments with them that you still carry with you that you 
I mean, I'm sure there's tons. That's why you wrote books about them, but just one. You just give yeah. us one little one. Of somebody. Hmm. I know this is crazy, but um, I'm going to say something totally different that you might not know. Okay. I, uh, I uh, have a fond memory of Bill Paxton. Oh, okay. Because Bill Paxton and I played opposite each other in a movie called Deadly Lessons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was my first, let me see. Well, I did a pilot before then, but Deadly Lessons, there was something about that movie that was just, it was the first time I was, I was actually the lead of the movie, but um, like I was the lead actress, but Donna Reed was in the film. Ali Sheedy was in the film. And it, you could see it probably on, you can, it probably is streaming on YouTube right now. Probably, yeah. Deadly lesson. But Bill Paxton played my boyfriend. Oh, and, okay. Um, and he was, he was really sweet. What mm. a, like a nice guy, like really grounded, like a very like, you know, good old boy, kind of like <laughs> nice guy. Uh, Southern lack has got a little bit of a, like a Southern kind of thing. And um, we didn't date during the, shooting but we did date after oh okay and um so that's a little thing about that but i mean but he was like so we dated um for i don't know like maybe like a half a year or something but we didn't we we were always friends and and how we stopped seeing each other really was because um at that point both of us were at the beginning of our careers Mm -hmm. so we were like you know we still uh, you know weren't ready to get serious in terms of anything deep so it was like mm-hmm. you know we had mutual respect like you know you go after your thing and I'm going after mine so um and because the business entertainment business makes you travel a lot it makes you um you really you cannot if you at that time certainly as an actor you had to focus on your work you couldn't take it casually like mm-hmm. if you weren't on it someone else would get it you know or you know you it's your whole world was everybody was really focused on what they were doing um but that's kind of a sweet thing because uh he was somebody I dated which I don't normally date people I never dated while I was working mm-hmm. I, like we liked each other you know you get to know somebody because obviously look if you work in an office you get to meet somebody like that's your the people that you become friends with because you spend time with them. So just Mm -hmm. like with actors, we spend time with other actors and you learn to trust them. And then afterwards I go, well, we should we date? I don't know. Yeah, (laughs) maybe. (laughs) Let's do that. So um, the fact that he, those of you don't know, he passed away Mm -hmm. was crazy. Yeah. It's hard for me to even take that in Mm -hmm. because, because to me, he'll always be around. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was a shocking and still a sad yeah. when I th- when I think about it, yeah. Oh, Max was one of the one of the great ones for sure. Yeah. So when you're talking about people, like he was really special. I I know that. I also just want to share. Um, I Alex Winter. I saw. Um, we did a Q and A in Santa Monica. Kimberly and I joined him, and so we got to see him, and uh, it was great seeing him. And his son was there, and that was really cool. Like seeing the when you are actors and you work when, when you were young and then you see each other, you know, decades later. And now mm-hmm. that actor has a son or child and you're like, oh, whoa, <laughs> that's a real one. Right. right. Bill, you got a son, right. dude, you know, so. There's a little <laughs> Bill next to you. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it's my daughter, Olivia, like, whoa. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, pretty fun. Your range is incredible uh, seeing as an actress and I've been just, more impressed with you now than I was before we even knew I was doing this, uh, this podcast, but so what character have you played that you think is most like you 
and the one that is not like you at all? Love it. <laughs> Great question. Great question. Mon- uh, most like is Monique. Mm. Absolutely. Hands down. Close. Once again, the answer I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. This is very nice. Yes. Right. All I have to do is be French and it would be perfect. There you go. Um, oh, yeah. I love Monique because she's an optimist. She's positive. She's a go getter. Mm-hmm. You can do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, she, uh, I think what I also like is that she is, um, she doesn't just blab everything. Today, people just, they tell everything. <laughs> and she's a thinker. You know, mm-hmm. she gets a thought, she thinks about it. And the fact that she didn't tell Ricky, you know, that she was French for the longest time shows <laughs> it's a self-discipline, but it's not like a bad thing. I think it was mm-hmm. kind of a good thing. And today, everybody's just sort of, they spit out everything. You know, <laughs> I think oh, you only learn as you get older, like, you know, you don't have to share everything, you know, mm-hmm. maybe just share the certain things with certain people that you're close to, you know, um, I know for me, like I share a lot now, but what I share is positive energy and good things. Not that I don't have bad days <laughs> or whatever. That's that we all do. Right. Yeah, yeah. I don't go into like, Oh my God, I'm so depressed. I get like, <laughs> um, I just get tired because you can see I have a lot of energy and that sometimes I'm like, mm. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> that's, just the, that's just the other side of me. <laughs> um, right. Right. Um, Okay, there's two roles. One you've seen and then one you haven't seen. So, okay. okay, even though, okay, Last American Virgin, I have to say, I'm least likely in the way of what happened at the end. Gotcha. Although the, the, the this part that, like, everybody falls in love with that, like, romantic and deep, mm-hmm. that's me. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> you know, I'm like a, a very, like, sensual person and slow and, like, I'm just, I'm very, like, a very, um, I'm womanly. I mean, I, mm-hmm. you know, what can I say? I'm a woman, right? So, right, right. But, e- but even in that part, like I'm sincere and I'm, I'm deeper, but I wouldn't have done that as Karen yeah. ever. Yeah. And I remember actually one of the things that was kind of interesting about that role was there was a scene in the bathroom where I have to be very flippant, you know, and I'm like, you know, Gary, like what's going on? Like, mm-hmm. and I remember feeling like that was such a character because I am not that way. Mm-hmm. And it was, it, it was like being like, oh yeah, well, what do you want? Like dismissive, like kind of, but I tried to play Karen very, it was a very hard part to play because it was, and then also look how much I talk. <laughs> <laughs> Karen didn't say yeah. oh, people. Right, right. Yep. That's acting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I did talk to, I mean, I talked, but uh, you know, I was, I was more shy. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it is it kind of amazing. I remember going, oh, I just zip it, you know? So <laughs> that is, yes, that's acting. Um, but I do have to mention also that I did a movie that hasn't come out yet. Okay. And it is called Waking Nightmare. Mm. And when you see this movie, you are not going to believe it. You've never seen me play a part like this. Okay. Ever. It is an amazing role. And I think that if it ever does come out, I might get act, uh, acting awards for it. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. I actually saw <laughs> a screening of it. It's probably going to be in film festivals. Film okay. okay. I got you. But it's a huge part and it's insane. Okay. But yeah, it's not like me. So <laughs> you're going to see me, but it's not like me. And you know what? That's acting, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, I think like, again, people like who see movies, they want to believe the story is true. They want to believe your character is real. And I don't want to take that away from anybody. Mm-hmm. Watch the movies, watch Virgin and go there. 
you know, <laughs> call the, call me the B word, go mm-hmm. for it, you know, mm-hmm. um, as you should, because that's the story. Right. Um, but just know that I'm mostly, I'm more like Monique. I yeah. mean, I'm a good person. I'm a nice person. Um, and I'm a soft person. I just talk a lot, you know, but <laughs> that usually is um, a cover for my shyness. You know, that, and I, that's what I have to say. Isn't that funny? Mm-hmm. To people talk a lot, they might be shy. And so mm-hmm. they, da, da, da. Anyway. I, I can totally relate. I totally oh. understand. Well, it's true. I, I believe that you're most like Monique. It's been lovely, excellent, every great oh, word I can think God. of. Good choice that, of words. <laughs> excellent. Uh, to have you on here. And just thank you, thank you, thank you so much. It's absolute honor and pleasure to have you on the podcast. I hope that I can call you again and, and have you back on. Maybe when we do Bill and Ted's, you can send this little, oh, yeah. little sound, sound biter, you know, we'll, we'll work all that out. So we'll see how that goes. But, but I'm excited for you. I, I see, I, I saw on your IMDb, you've got things to, coming up. I see your daughter's doing great things. Oh uh, yes. Anybody um, who check out my, uh, check out my daughter. That sounds terrible. <laughs> check out my daughter. Dude. But, uh, but go look up Olivia De Laurentiis mm-hmm. and uh, she's on a show called Pivoting. It's yes. just, um, she plays the secretary Donna on that. She just <laughs> did, um, she's in the movie, Ted, the Ted Bundy, uh, American boogeyman. Mm-hmm. She also is going to be doing another movie this summer. Um, she's, doing um she's just got a lot going and she's on Mm -hmm. tiktok with her comedy partner Mm -hmm. sydney Mm -hmm. heller so look up sid and olivia on tiktok and then for me i have a movie on hulu i know peacock in it's a high holiday you can watch now um and i also have um uh well american uh, ted bundy american boogeyman i have a cameo in it and then uh, amityville murders um Mm -hmm. big part in that uh but I talk like this, so don't get confused. <laughs> right? So uh, always the voice is a little different. And then um, I've got some beautiful things coming out. I have a, a short film that I did for a director that is my first piece that I ever did from the 19... 19- well, I did another piece in the 1950s a long time ago, but this is sort of like X-Files-ish. So, oh, nice. Um, yeah, so there's some very sweet, cool work coming out. Films, yeah. little, I'm, And I always, <laughs> I like to support new filmmakers mm-hmm. um i like to help them with their work because they're the next generation so that's awesome you have a good script you can send it to me i'll take a look and see oh i've got some friends i got some friends that may be very excited about that so yes <laughs> so please tell everybody and we'll put in the show notes as well but your social media where they can find you where they can contact you if you want to follow me come to uh, on instagram it's actress diane franklin mm-hmm. on twitter it's diane franklin 80 no S 80. And if you are on Facebook, uh, you need to go to Diane Franklin official, or I think it's Diane, official Diane Franklin fans mm-hmm. or Diane Franklin official fans. But anyway, either one, it's a group page. So mm-hmm. don't go to my reg, don't go to the regular Diane Franklin because it's filled up and I've got like okay. over a thousand people right. like on this and I, they're not going to get in because mm-hmm. it's filled up. So but everybody hears stuff from me first before I, I, I do word of mouth. So <laughs> cool things come f- from my thing. And I just, I put it out and then mm-hmm. you gotta be kind of, you gotta catch it because mm-hmm. I don't, um, I make it interesting. If you, if you advertise too much, it gets boring. You got, I oh, think, yeah, you, yeah. you know what I mean? I mm-hmm. don't know. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, so I think it's important to have uh, something more 
like if you you know some people go like wait did she just say she was going to be in in georgia wait did she, <laughs> that kind of thing like i'll go i'll like put it out once and then people are like right. wait i didn't know that you were going to be here so <laughs> uh follow me on social media and then you can you'll know the, you know where i am yeah okay absolutely and then of course find your book it's on amazon and barnes and noble correct yes amazon all my books are on amazon just look up Here's the great thing. Just look up Diane Franklin mm-hmm. books. books. Yeah. <laughs> It'll bring you everything. That's how I found it. So. <laughs> yeah. And well, awesome. uh, thank you for advertising the book. I have to tell you, it's better off dead people. You're going to lose your mind. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited. Wonderful. I'm looking forward to reading it. And, and hopefully I know you mentioned you're going to be a couple of conventions. I'll keep my ear out for that as well. Cause hopefully we'll get to see each other face to face. You can sign it for me and We'll, we'll take a great selfie oh, and all that fun stuff. And, and by the way, if you have a, if anyone is out there and would like me to come to your area for mm-hmm. a convention, you need to contact the convention people and tell them you want me there because they listen to the patrons. Mm. And so for instance, I've always wanted to come to Georgia to a convention, but mm-hmm. they don't, they have to hear it from you guys. So right, you right. Say, I want Diane Franklin. Then they'll hopefully say, why isn't she here? So that's kind of like how it works. They want the patrons. They want to make sure people will come and see them. Right. So oh yeah. Yeah. For if sure. you, if you want to meet me, I will, I will bring my better off dead coat and we will wear it for a picture. All right. Fantastic. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Diane. Once again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so, so very much. Thanks everybody for listening to this episode. We'll see you guys next time. Au revoir. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to this episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. If you'd like to continue the conversation, we have a few ways for you to do just that. One way is to send us an email to movieviewspodcast at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voice message through the Anchor app. You can find the link to leave a voice message in our episode show notes. Hey, and while you're there, be sure to check out the episode show notes to find more fun facts and behind-the-scenes trivia we just weren't able to fit into today's episode. Well, that's all for now. Join us again next time for another 80s Flick Flashback. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.